Hi there, listener. This is Clint. A uh, quick message before we get started on the show. I was wearing a mask during this episode because my allergies have been killing me. Ken has 12 cats. They're everywhere. I can't avoid them. Um, and I didn't want to cough throughout this thing. So you might notice my voice is a little bit muted and it has a little bit of like, like there's a fabric sound. Please ignore it. I'm sorry. Um, next time, maybe I'll just load myself up with Zyrtec and get on with it. Okay, see you on the other side. Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 97. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am blessed to be sitting here with the man, the myth, the legend, the New Year's baby himself. Happy New Year's, Clint. How are you doing this fine 2024? Are you enjoying this new year I've brought to you? Not at all. No? Not a bit. Are you happy that I wore my diaper? Uh, yes, I, I do like that. The uh, perked nips are a little much, but, uh, you know. That's all on you and keeping the temperature so low. I know. I do keep it cold in here. No, I have not enjoyed my 2024. Uh, we're like two weeks in. I know we're two weeks in, but I'm already one hospital visit in. Uh, my doctor <laughs> tells me I am too stressed. Uh, I Yeah, me. It's crazy. Um, so apparently, you know, uh, I just need to, I need to chill out a little bit. And um, watch more movies, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Who it? thought that all those years of, you know, not sleeping regular hours yeah, could catch up to you at some yeah. point? Uh, when I first told Clint uh, about my my little medical journey, uh, he laughed at me just right in my face. <laughs> just laughed no cruelly and, and yeah, pointedly um, and just immediately began making fun of, uh, of uh, how little sleep I get. So. I just, I don't know. It was just like a clock ticking down that I could see. And it was just, yeah, it finally hit. But let's see. Hopefully you'll continue on this regular sleep pattern and you won't be as, you know, worn out and stressed. And I like this idea. Yeah. What is this hockey puck that you're holding towards me? Oh, um, not a proximity mine. Okay, good. It's good. just the lid to my water bottle. Oh, <laughs> you were holding it out in such a way that I thought, like, I'm supposed to do something Here? with my microphone. I'm no. supposed to attach this new device. Uh, I'm supposed to do something. Merry and belated Christmas. It's a lid. I stared at it and went through everything in my head. And then finally, I'm like, well, I have to ask, even on the recording, because uh, clearly I'm an idiot. So uh, this week, uh, we're very excited to be back. Uh, we are here with our top 10 movies of 2023. Uh, we took a little extra time than we have in previous years because we wanted to just get more in. And still, still, I did not get to see everything that I wanted to see. Did you get to see everything uh, you wanted? The biggies, yes. But okay. there are a handful, like kind of like foreign ones that um, mm -hmm. we haven't got yet that I really yeah. wanted to see. So. Maybe I'll be updating okay. this list later on. I yeah. don't know. I, I think my biggest one is one I know you got to see, 
uh, and I'm guessing we'll talk about later, but Poor Things yeah. um, with Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo and, and others, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. Um, did not get to see that, and I was very, very disappointed. Was that was that when I was hospitaling? That, we were on our way to go see that, and you texted the day, and you're like, I'm in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. I think my wife texted you, actually. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was unconscious. It's that I have canceled on you so much. Yes. In recent memory, I was like, no, you have to text him because <laughs> he'll never believe that I'm actually in the hospital if I text him. She sent a picture. She sent <laughs> I didn't know she to sent. To just completely, like, okay. hit the point home. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's funny. I didn't know she sent <laughs> photographic evidence. That's humiliating. Uh, and so, uh, otherwise, I got to see most of the things yeah. I wanted to see. Uh, which I was very happy with. But I had argued with you, and maybe we settled this on the last episode and I just don't remember it. Uh-huh. I had argued that, wow, this was a great movie year. Uh-huh. And then as I was going back through and looking at all the movies that came out, yeah. I realized once again, no, I'm just wrong. Yeah. Uh, it was it was not a great movie year. It was, a, it was an okay movie year. I s- still have like 30 movies on my list. Yeah. Um, it was pretty easy to narrow it down, but yeah. there were a lot of really good movies, but for one reason or another, like they didn't stick yeah. Yeah. like, um, and make it to that top yeah. 10, even though like I watched a bunch of stuff, like we you said we were catching up and yeah. there was a lot of things that I was look, looking forward to that, um, I got to see and, but still like some of them just didn't stick and they they're, even yeah. though they were great movies. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. I had a lot like that. I have quite a few on my honorable mentions, Me too. but I didn't have a hard time. Like I usually do yeah. filling out the last three spots. I usually feel like, Oh man, I keep bumping one in and one yeah. out and one in. And pretty much when a, when a movie went on my list, it, it locked in and I wasn't terribly sad to see. Mm-hmm. Number ten dropped to eleven, or, or all that sort of thing. I had the hardest time with actually just getting ten, really? like not not okay. ten total, but yeah. my number ten uh, spot. Okay, because there was a, it was like this, uh, even playing field of mediocrity. Yeah, <laughs> where I'm just like, I yeah. like these about the same. I but then that was one, like one. Uh, gotcha. Took the spot. So well, and and I'm pretty sure I have about a third of my list. You're going to be nodding right along with me. They're probably on your list. Uh, a third of my list, you'll you'll respect. You'll be okay yeah. with. And there's a third of my list that, as usual, you're going to look at me like, really? Because <laughs> uh, I already know there are some. There are some on here that that we've already talked about. I I know you do not have grand love for. I feel like I made a very Clint list. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, mine is less kin than it was. Yeah. I would say a month or two ago. Uh-huh. Um. You know the 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 end of the year has has clinted it up a little bit, but uh, uh, we'll see. All right, yeah. so uh, I think we just go the way we usually do. Uh, we start at number ten, we alternate back and forth, and just work our way up to number one. Uh, if I say something that's on my list, uh, go ahead and mention ah that's on my list too, just so we know. Uh, but you don't have to you know give a number. Or talk about it necessarily we can just kind of figure it out as we go uh next week or next episode rather uh is a list i really enjoyed last year uh, clint came up with this idea to do our top 10 discoveries of the year yeah yeah which isn't just movies that came out that year it's actually movies that didn't come out that year but movies that we just found mm-hmm. in 2023 and that list 
I do have uh, quite a pile of things that uh, I'm kind of struggling with what to oh really what to move up and and what to put on there. So. I have a bunch of stuff, but it, it's I don't have too many more than maybe I have to go through everything we've watched oh. this year again. But I, I got a pretty nice list okay. that's just contained. All right. Well, yeah. starting with number ten, the best of 2023, Clint. What is your number ten film? Well, this one I was going to put on my discoveries because I didn't think it was for from this year Mm -hmm. until then I started seeing it pop up on people's list for this year and realized that it kind of was in that middle ground. Like it it came out at the end of 2022, but like didn't really go wide Mm -hmm. until 2023. And so I was like, this is definitely going on my list. Okay. And uh, like I said, I was kind of struggling with the 10 spot, but then this nailed it home. And this is Smoking Causes Coughing by ah. Quentin Dupont. Quentin Dupont. <laughs> I, tr- I tried to watch a video to see how they pronounce his name, and uh, that's yeah. about as close it's, as I'm going to get. It's essentially Quentin Dupont. And we talked about this on the podcast, and um, it is one of the most delightful films I saw <laughs> this year. Like, it made me giggle, like, throughout um, – I generally like Quentin de his films, mm-hmm. um, but there is always like this, like just a kind of amusement and like bewilderment. Still, and, still kind of a detachment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But this same. one, I really connected with, and um, like throughout, was just surprised by the directions it went, and mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the. Um, the the format of it like the the structure of it in any way so it was just always surprising me and i could have taken like a like a six part series of this like i <laughs> hope it's somehow continued and they do it um as like an anthology that just continues on i i love this movie it was great awesome yeah uh, i have it in my honorable mentions and oh, so okay. uh yeah highly enjoyable um probably looking at my list real quick yeah probably my favorite comedy of the year I just um I don't think any well no there's there's one or two on there. Yeah. Um but it's it's definitely up there. My number 10 is actually a late minute edition. Uh it's it's one I was definitely not expecting to put on here. A uh, longtime franchise film actually. And I'm not big on this franchise and so I was very surprised to hmm. enjoy this movie as much as I I did and it is Godzilla minus 1. Oh yeah. Uh which was hmm. not at all what I expected. Uh-huh. Uh, this uh, almost harkens back to kind of the the original Gojira, where it's much more of a drama uh, that just happens to have a giant monster mm-hmm. crashing around. Uh, obviously, it has, you know, it's a much more modern sensibilities, but um, it has a, 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 a wartime story, a World War II era story with kamikaze pilots, mm-hmm. uh, one in particular who just can't bring himself to uh, kamikaze. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and just just how much he shunned. I, I was really surprised by how much of this film is just dedicated to this man trying to reenter society mm-hmm. and being seen as a coward. Yeah. And yeah. and how much time is spent with that. And I I just I really appreciated the human elements of this monster film. And I very much appreciated that at no point did this monster that was destroying literal cities uh be realized as the misunderstood hero. Yeah, yeah, that he is. Nope, uh-huh. this is just straight death and destruction with people trying to survive. And uh, it was it was kind of a, a throwback 
and I, I really enjoyed it much more than I than I thought I would. That's on my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's as much as I think I'll ever enjoy a Godzilla yes. movie. Yes. I just have a Agreed. thing about Godzilla movies, or not even Godzilla, just like let's say a Pacific Rim too, mm-hmm. where I just don't care that much about a giant thing crushing a city. I want to, but yeah. always leave like there's an attachment from the human story and the monster um, side of it. This made me care about both of those. And I could actually, I could have probably just taken this as this soldier or this pilot re-entering society story. Yeah. Like that, I probably would have been happy with that yeah. story by itself. Yeah, I, I felt like this was a really good foreign indie movie. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way, but interrupted by, uh, you know, kind of just a, a monster invasion kind yeah. of thing. And and I do agree with you. I think the problem is Godzilla is just too big. Yeah. Um, if he was scaled down just a bit, which, right. you yeah. know, sometimes works in like the, the King Kong side yeah. of the universe. Yeah. Um, but but he's just so big. Yeah. Uh, that even when there are those moments that he's focused in on just a handful of humans, mm-hmm. it feels silly. Yeah. It would be like if an ant caught my attention. Right. And I was particularly enraged at this ant and yeah. decided to, you know, flambe just it. <laughs> uh, that would that would be a little. No, whichever. So, uh, what's your what's your number nine? My number nine. Um, so, I have a strange list. I feel like I feel like a lot of it's more indie de- um, devoted, but this is a big franchise film. Oh, okay, and this is a franchise I really love. And this is um, Thor: Love and Thunder. No, not Thor. It's the Indiana Jones movie. Uh, what, no. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> that really, what? No, this is Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning. Ah, uh, good call, good call. This actually got knocked to my number eleven. Oh, really? It was. Oh, it was on number ten till the very end. This is as good. I I love the Mission Impossible movies. Like I feel like they're the peak of these like big action, um, spectacle movies yeah. where like they somehow like you continuously care about the characters like i think tom cruise is great as the the main character in the the mission impossible films and i love that he's just completely devoted to going and doing crazy things for Mm -hmm. these things and uh they are also somehow continue continuously upping themselves on you know the uh the spy craft of them and making the story still interesting so and I wasn't I wasn't let down by this. I really like this one, and I can't wait for the next part. That that was the only thing that was kind of like swaying me to possibly not even put it on the list, just because my like like fear that maybe they'll do something stupid with the second part. But I've enjoyed all of them, so I I was I was okay putting it on there. Yeah, and that was I. What's weird is it could be the exact same movie, and if it didn't have the part one on it, yeah, I wouldn't have watched it as the first half. And I was right. I was aware the whole time. Yeah, I'm watching half the story. Yeah, but it, as uh, a contained film, it's still it, it like, still works yeah. as a contained film. Yeah. Uh, just because things end in a way that you know there's a next one. Mm-hmm. It, again, it's a franchise film. This is what number seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Seven, I think. Yeah, yeah. and so it's it's something where. Um, you know, it just, it shouldn't feel that way. But for some reason, I just, I kept knowing 
the story is not complete. There is a part right, two. Right, right, yeah. And I, I wonder if they would have pulled that title if they had known about all the strikes and, mm. and it getting delayed. Because I think there was only supposed to be a six-month uh, separation between the two, oh, which okay. I think would have made that easier. Mm-hmm. But, oh, well. Uh, my number nine is one you definitely did not enjoy uh, very much or as much as I did. And that is Artifice Girl. That is an extremely uh, indie indie flick. Yeah, uh, that is about um, just an AI creation, and it's a it's a little kind of tri character piece, mm-hmm. and uh, almost feels like a stage play. Yeah, that's being filmed. I remember very distinctly where we kind of parted ways. I think for mm-hmm. you it felt very scripty. Yeah, whereas for me it felt the opposite for whatever reason. Um, and I went back and watched it a second time. And, and enjoyed it. And just for some reason, uh, the the way the dialogue's delivered and everything really works for me. And and I can see, especially in, in some of the um, supporting characters, mm-hmm. um, what you were talking about more the second time. I think it's just because those uh, supporting detective characters are gone after the first two acts. Oh, okay. That I think it was easier for me to just focus on... Uh, the the AI, mm-hmm. but I still really enjoyed this, and this this kind of reminded me, um, not in terms of complexity or quality or anything like that, uh, but just more of like your primers or things like that. It's been a long time since I've seen a movie that's this low budget that worked for me this well. Yeah, and so uh, it it earned some respect in in that process, and it just it had me thinking. So I was happy about that. Mm. So what's your number eight? Number eight. Um, this could possibly be higher given a certain like day and what mood I'm in. <laughs> um, and this is one that every single time I've watched it, I, it's gotten stronger for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first viewing of this, I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it. There was things I liked. Uh, obviously once you hear who it is, you'll know I liked, mm-hmm. I had to have like certain parts of it. But um, the this is Asteroid City by Wes Anderson, mm-hmm. um, and I've it's rare these days that I rewatch films like just because there's so much stuff coming out and you know I'm I'm excited for the next thing and but this one like I've watched three or four times and every single time it gets better hmm. um, and more nuanced and like it makes me more curious to you know see what Wes was trying to do with it. And um, I think visually, this is one of his strongest ones. Hmm. Um, I think he's finally like really marrying together that like the stop motion miniature sets. And um, like, sometimes like I always love when it's in there, but like, it feels a little detached. Even in um, world of Henry sugar. Yeah. Um, it it feels that way because I I love when it pops up, but then it also it it feels a bit inconsistent. Yeah, even though I love when he does it, but oh, yeah. it, it's just yeah. like this one. It, I didn't think maybe it's just because I'm getting more used to it mm-hmm. um, that I'm not thinking about it as much. In the the world, uh, the Henry Sugar that was on my top ten for quite a while yeah, until I was mine just too. Like, I um, it's definitely my honorable mentions. Um, but yeah, I, I think this one will continue to like get better for me. And like I, I need really, to watch it again. Yeah. I just I've I only watched it once. Oh, you definitely need to watch it again. I always come back to Wes Anderson movies when when they don't quite work for me. I did that with French Dispatch. It took me a while to yeah. to bring that up to where it is at the moment. Um 
I still have some problems with that one, but I just, I need to watch Asteroid City again. Um, my number eight is, I got to say, the first movie I've ever put on a top ten list that when <laughs> I watched it the first time, it put me to sleep. And <laughs> that is uh, Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron, uh, which last time, you know, we regaled you with the very boring tale of me just falling asleep in this movie. And so I went back, uh, awake, soda, mm-hmm. all kind, I was I was ready. And uh, those are some pretty important minutes. Yeah, in there, it's a whole transitional <laughs> sequence in there that. Yeah, uh, and so I, you know, even even with the brief nap, I I already knew uh, my first time. I really enjoyed it. Second time, I just I love this movie. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm a sucker for Miyazaki movies. I am fine, just kind of. Uh, not turning off my brain, just sort of switching off and and going along with whatever uh, he has on tap. I just watched um, The Cat Returns the other mm. day, which previously, just in my brain for some reason, I had thought of as this uh, just sort of lesser Miyazaki. Yeah. It's actually really good. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and actually has a lot in common with Boy and the Heron and its story structure. And um, that's what sent me back to it. But um, no, I just, this is, this is delightful. It's got so much imagination, and it it does this this thing that I love about uh, so many of his works, where it just it balances the darkness and the light mm-hmm. in such an interesting way. Because the dark is so dark, yeah, but the light is so light. It it just somehow it works, and uh, I just I I really enjoyed this movie. I'm looking forward to watching it again already. For sure, yeah. I, I'm looking for because I, I haven't got to see it again yet. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he completely like he his world building is so strong that it com- kind of like creates its own rules yeah. that you kind of have to not you have to kind of put everything out of your head yeah. and just like embrace it for what's happening yeah. in that and like in kind of play by what it's trying to set up and I that's the thing I enjoy like a lot about his films that it's just giving yourself over to it. And I don't even feel like it's, it's a situation where he's a filmmaker that he has this internal logic. I just think it works in his imagination and it, it goes to the screen. Yeah. And sometimes he has an answer for it that he doesn't put on the screen. Other times it's just, Nope. Uh, now they're, you know, are these wildly cannibalistic tribe of birds that uh, even that makes sense. But I mean, it's just, It's it's so funny all of a sudden. It it mm-hmm. really risks being this this jarring shift in tone, but it works. Yeah, and I'm wondering if like some of that stuff comes from like um, you know Japanese culture yeah. and like um, mythology and stuff. Yeah, someone knocking at the door. I believe so. <laughs> Let's take a quick pause. <laughs> now we're back. <laughs> My number seven. And this is a movie that was uh, that we had a lot of debate about. Oh, and um, I don't see it ending up on your list. Okay, and this is the Creator by Gareth uh, Edwards. With yes, John David Washington. Uh, and and just to clarify, I have not gotten to watch it a second time. And so you told me to watch it again. Yeah, and I will. But um, yeah, it, it did not work for me. So I yeah, I think this was the best sci-fi movie of the year. Um, I. This is another kind of um, like what I was saying about Miyazaki. Just the level of world building in this is amazing. Mm -hmm. And like I I always am kind of railing against CG uh, on this podcast. Um, Just 
not fully embracing it. But this, like, he is so good at using it as his medium that, like, it's seamless with how he does it. And I wish that more directors and um, visual artists would kind of take what he's doing as, like, inspiration and how he melds, like, the two together is amazing to me. And somehow it's simpler, but it always looks so much more convincing. Yeah, and I'm um, sure done for like a tenth of the yeah, budget. Because when you go and you watch just on YouTube, when you go and you watch the kind of the behind the scenes, how they put something together mm-hmm. on one of his films, it's really surprising yeah. how uh, how simple it is. And just so much with atmospherics and light and shadow. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just very, very effective. And I think that's part of how it works because there's all the, the a lot of these big budget, you know, CG spectacles need to, I guess, because you have big stars and people want to see their faces or they think yeah. that like they, they're lit very flatly and boringly. Yeah. And this, it's lit naturally. So you can, you know, hide things, you can um, give things form with shadow and it feels more realistic. And even beyond that, I, I thought this story was really strong, and I I know that people had complaints about like it kind of you know let's say paying homage to other sci sci-fi and uh, film um, other films. I think it 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 worked really well, and it never felt like it was overstepping any like like it was plagiarizing or anything mm-hmm. like that it always just felt natural and like his love for cinema and um but it also the story was strong on its own and i i think the the, the kid robot was like the actor was fantastic in this too well we were talking uh before we recorded just kind of the fine line in sci-fi uh between homage and just plagiarism that doesn't work mm-hmm. um you know and it's it's one thing to evoke certain things and elements it's another thing just to do it in a way that that lends no creativity and then you're just left with something that looks like a poor imitation yeah or like you are just taking all your inspirations and smashing them together yeah. and like there's no melding of any of that yeah. stuff and mm-hmm. uh this it, it, it never felt like that to me well and my number seven is one that I mean, people could easily say, oh, well, that's that's what I would describe this movie as. Uh, and it's Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh-huh. And it it has all the things we've just spent some time complaining about. It has a lot of CG spectacle. It's it's not uh, the most convincing. Uh, it kind of at, works, at times, though. But it works because, because it's kind of cartoony in nature yep, already. Yep. And so somehow James Gunn just kind of brings it together as he usually does. Um and and this one worked for me so much more than volume two. Hmm. Uh, this one had all the humor I wanted. It had a ton of heart. My goodness, if I had to look at one more animal uh, <laughs> being, you know, just mistreated in a in a convincing way, it just that was really messing with me. This this really had a depth to it that that I wasn't expecting. I know they kept touting how emotional the third chapter was going to be, and it was the closing chapter for him and. I just, I didn't expect it to be this kind of emotional. Mm. I thought it would be a cheap, oh, I'm killing off characters, and that's why yeah. it's emotional. Um, but but this had much more refinement to it. I thought the pacing was better. I thought it was a lot more fun. Um, and it just, I, I really enjoyed it. We came out of the theater when we saw it, and uh, I was just grinning. Um, 
And this is this is kind of what I want Marvel movies to always be. And and uh, like you, very much point out they just they're not hitting it lately. No, well, I would agree with you on like I wish they were more like this or like Loki. Um, This one didn't make it's on my like honorable mentions, Mm -hmm. and for the kind of reason I mentioned about Mission Impossible, where it's kind of like just felt like it was wrapping things up a little Mm bit. I do agree it was better than two, but this one, um, the more I've sat with it, mm-hmm. I've almost felt like I was had been emotionally manipulated by mm-hmm. it just because of Which is ev- a fine line. Yeah. everything that you were saying. Yeah. And at the time, I felt it very effective, but it's just like you. Th- I was thinking about it more after the fact, and it was just like, I don't know if it was used properly in some ways, mm-hmm. the, the animal cruelty um aspects of it Th- this is one i need to rewatch again though mm-hmm. see if it i have those feelings while watching it mm-hmm. it was more after the fact um and i wanted to watch it with jenny but like i feel like it would just be too much for her yeah so and i it's, even it's not, not the second time yeah the second time like i remembered those scenes being so much longer and they're not it's uh-huh. just when you when you see it a second time and you know what's happening they don't hang as heavy yeah um but there's no avoiding that first mm-hmm. time, just you know, watching a little rabbit get shot in the head. There's <laughs> <laughs> only so much you can do with that. It's What's a kids' your, movie, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your number six? My number six. Um, this one we talked about on the podcast, mm-hmm. and this gave me all of the delightful holiday feels that I feel like I have a hard time getting these days. And this is The Holdovers by oh. Alexander Payne. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got Paul Giamatti as the main character. This is like one of the best like indie films I've seen in a while. Like it, it's just like peak Alexander Payne. Um, I I love how convincingly he recreates the seventies like um, film like mm-hmm. language and like with the music and like the cinematography. It it never feels. Um, like kind of like we were talking like umaji it almost feels like it's 100% just a film found from the 70s that you forgot about yeah, um yeah. and i love that about it it's it's really funny and it's really touching um you can kind of see yourself in all the characters like i did at least in some way or other um and even like side characters that you kind of feel maybe at the beginning you're just going to, that are just going to come and go, you get an attachment to them and their yeah. story. And it's amazing how much he can um, bring across emotionally within just small scenes with people. Um, uh, yeah, this is, I, I love this movie. It could be higher possibly. Yeah. Uh, my number six is a movie you forced me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, it's it's one you you uh, you brought to me giggling, and oh, yeah. you were just so delighted and you were so happy with yourself, and you could not wait to not only rewatch the movie but to watch me watch the movie. Oh yeah, and that is Bo is afraid, <laughs> and uh, this is Joaquin Phoenix, and oh, yeah. this movie uh, I have I have watched again, yeah, and enjoyed it even more the second time, and it is bonkers Mm -hmm. it is so bizarre and at the same time uh so uh really 
human and engaging yeah. and attachable mm-hmm. where where it's it's not so bizarre that it, it is at first it holds you at arm's length uh-huh. but all of a sudden and it same thing happened the second time i watched it i, I just suddenly realized oh this movie's really pulled me in mm-hmm. and it's got me in this tight little hug and there there are really profound quiet moments in this that you don't expect with something that's so kind of visually in your face. Yeah, yeah. And uh it is it is weird, but it's not weird for weird's sake. And it it is not a movie that's interested in answers. It's not a movie that's interested in explaining to you why things are happening. It's a movie that is that's uh it's Ari Oster and he is just interested in providing an experience that you get to go along on and think about. Mm-hmm. And uh there's some things that are clear uh, enough that, you know, it fulfilled my plot requirements. Uh <laughs> but other things were just so uh, enigmatic and and strange and and mysterious and wonderful and uh, that I'm I'm still kind of tossing around in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a giant penis monster in an attic. And so, what um, else could you ask for? A, a lot other than that. But it's suddenly there, and wow, I laughed just as loud the second time <laughs> as the first time. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, it's definitely a divisive movie. It is not a movie for everyone. It is not a movie I'm like, oh, just watch it. Give it enough time. You'll love it. You may hate no, this thing. No, I can understand but, if you don't like it. But yeah. some of the times when I peop- see people's criticism of it, I don't understand yeah. their points they're making. Yeah. Like, I can understand not liking certain things about it, but just like, just saying it's completely um, void of anything is kind of a little too strong. Well, and it's it's not giving enough credit to the filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, who have some prowess and and they've established some things they've established some clout mm-hmm. and so you know if you're gonna if you're gonna take a shot like this uh you know this is this is not this is a much bigger risk if it's your first film uh than if it's your what is it his third, third fourth yeah yeah it's his third um you you have some capital you can spend um where you can afford to have people you know get upset and hate it and still come back for your next movie mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm in any way insinuating that's how he was thinking about it. It just, um, it's, it's that kind of movie. It's, it's pretty daring actually. Um, and definitely one this year that I think, uh, is the most inventive, um, because I can definitely say I've never seen anything like it. For sure. Um, so yeah. What's your, what's your number five? My number five is... Counting Down mm-hmm. is The Killer by David oh, Fincher. Nice. With Mikkel Fassbender. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised how much I love this film, really. Because I was going in, I was burned a little bit by some of the last couple uh, Fincher things. Mm-hmm. Not, not burned, but just like let uh, down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we had talked about... Um, Mank. Yeah, Mank. I keep wanting to say Mance. <laughs> it's Mank. Yeah. Um. And so I, I was going in app- apprehensively and I was not sure what his take on a, um, you know, hitman would be. Like mm-hmm. if it was just going to kind of be a throwaway thing where, or if he had a real take on it and he definitely had a real mm-hmm. take on in on it. And it was so much more interesting than I was expecting. Um, the, I love the subtlety of of the character of, of the killer and like how he evolves throughout the story. So kind of naturally and like simply, but like, Mm -hmm. um, I really liked 
when there was action sequences, it was done in a new and interesting way. Yeah. I also thought like um, Fincher was kind of progressing as just a visual artist too. Cause like there, there's some just really great like tone and atmosphere to the cinematography in it that he hasn't done before, where it just makes it this weird dream, like, feel that i wasn't expecting and really enjoyed i loved the trent reznor atticus ross soundtrack i've been like if i'm going to try to remember to do this as i'm doing this but this was one of my top scores for Mm -hmm. the year i love it i've been listening to it nonstop. and there's also some weird moments in this the the score soundtrack where they kept like that the fight sequence Mm -hmm they have all of that noise stuff in it. So it's really unsettling, but fun because it almost becomes this weird musical element. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, the the killer is what I want the John Wick films to be. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Awesome. Uh, My fifth movie is kind of the left hook and my one, two combo of Joaquin Phoenix. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely not a movie I expected to have on here going and watching it, but it is Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Oh, this movie has been kind of raked over the coals uh-huh. and criticized. And honestly, I totally get it. <laughs> and I read the different reviews and the criticisms of this movie. And I nod my head like, yep, yep, that's 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 Napoleon. Uh, but I had such a good time with this movie. Uh, it was surprisingly funny. And uh, I, I loved I love that Joaquin Phoenix does not even attempt <laughs> – does not even attempt for a single word uh-huh. and, and even a French inflection. Yeah. I don't even think he uses a, a, a word of a French origin <laughs> the entire film. Um, and it just, it doesn't matter. This is one of those old, like, everybody's got a British accent unless they're a French actor. Uh, but they're all French. Yeah. And, um, but uh, the, the battle scenes I loved in this, uh, just the the playing with history, uh, the the really... Uh, fun, darkly comic, um, kind of deadpan scenes uh, between him and, and the love of his life uh, slash, uh, you know, soon to be divorced, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed this movie. I took Levi back to see it and watched it a second time just because he's such a history nut. And we both had a blast with it. And um, yeah, for all of his uh, cantankerous curmudgeon um you know really scott uh, got me on this one what i have like this has not been in my like radar on my radar at mm-hmm. all really what are some of the criticisms of this film the criticisms are just that it's it's a bit aimless it wanders okay. uh that it's a bit too disjointed mm-hmm. it doesn't have kind of a clear uh not not that it doesn't have a clear story it's just they they didn't like that it didn't have narrative thrust mm. that it was just sort of uh somebody had written like snapshots in the life of okay. napoleon i kind of like that um i i enjoyed that sort of um kind of skipping through um all of the the whys and the wheres and the wins sometimes yeah, and just yeah. getting to the next thing and i i thought there was enough there that you know i tracked okay we got from here to here, and here's why. Mm-hmm. I did not need to see, uh, you know, a a room full of uh, aristocrats arguing for thirty seconds to help me understand why everybody's suddenly mad at Napoleon. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think 
he has been very vocal about the fact that there's like a four, four and a half hour cut. Mm. And so I think it was easier for people to look at that, those moments and say something is missing. Uh-huh. Instead of, no, that's that's the movie he wants to deliver. The four, you know, his, his director cuts, I think he's been pretty clear other than Blade Runner, are, are pretty like... These these are the movies that could be, but the movie that came out is the movie I wanted to come out. Mm-hmm. This is just extras. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if if you enjoyed it, uh-huh. um, and so uh, it's it's just that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. I I had a good time. That's cool. Yeah. Also, I think it'll be on Apple soon, and I'll catch yeah. it. Yeah. Yep. Um, number four. Yes. <laughs> I'm confused. Did you not see Napoleon with no, me? No. Oh my gosh! This is one of those moments where you think I'm there, but I did. I, this I is did. So, I this thought is we why. went and saw it together, you and me, Clint. <laughs> no, I was not with you. You and me versus the world. Are you serious right now? I'm I have such a distinct <laughs> mental image of you sitting next to me and laughing with me in this movie. No, no, that wasn't me. This, this has happened. <laughs> this is why you're exhausted. <laughs> this is why you end up in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's and something go to the movies and hallucinate my friend being there it's like man clint and i had a great time at that movie you even texted me after the fact and told me <laughs> you like this movie a lot okay i <laughs> i vaguely remember that part now i think the last thing we saw was a boy in heron the craziest thing is that means that i went and saw this alone the first time <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I have no memory of watching this movie alone. Um <laughs> you sure? Was there someone in the like beside you like it was a full theater and you know when I went you to keep see telling them hey, No, it was super empty when I when, when I saw it with Levi there was an old couple behind us that kept talking. Uh-huh. I know for sure I saw it a second time when I saw it with him. So oh man, I need some serious <laughs> psychotherapy. Number four, Clint. <laughs> Sorry for the pause earlier. I just I, I thought was, I did something wrong. When you said wrong. you would catch it on Apple, I'm like, what? what? Oh man, that's gonna bake my brain all night. I seriously, I even closing my eyes. I like you're right there. <laughs> oh my gosh, the light is flickering <laughs> off of your face in the theater. Well, right now I am right here. Well, I know, but in this case, you're beside me, and we're watching Napoleon, and we're having a grand old time. What if it like? <laughs> I think I've even told people we both <laughs> liked it, and that we were, you know, it, it was one of those movies where it's just like Clint and I are the only ones in the theater laughing. Uh, you know, and there, there are old people around just like coughing. Like <sighs> One day you're going to listen back to this podcast and it's not going to be anyone else there. It's <laughs> you. It's you talking to yourself. Oh. Look, I could have swore. <laughs> I was doing this with Glenn. Oh, no, man. Ken. All right. There was never a Clint. All right. I, I am recovering. Uh, Clint, what's your uh, number four? Clearly not Napoleon now. <laughs> That's an honorable mention. Um, <laughs> my number four is The Boy and the Heron. Okay. I didn't do as you like you told me to do and tell you when it's on my list because okay. I want surprise. No, I, and, yeah, I haven't done it either. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, The Boy and the Heron. I saw this with a half-sleep uh, Ken. Yeah. Um, I was definitely there. You were there. Yes. That we time. shared the reality of this movie yes, together. You missed a portion of that reality, yes, but you were there for most of it. 
Um, big time, long time fan of Miyazaki. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this did not let down for a last film that it potentially, probably last film. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to see that he's kind of starting to get some award recognition and stuff. Long time overdue. Yeah, it pulled a, a Golden Globe or something like I, I saw. Best animated feature, yeah. I think. Um, but just like on every level, like this was in line with it he's done in the past. It was more in some ways along the lines of his more like mature, like not in a way, not like, like he's growing as an artist, even though he is, but just as, um, thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that, like that he was just completely going for it and not like being willing to be just fully out there on some of yeah. the ideas in it and not, feeling like you he had to answer all the questions that were in it like he was willing to let you know he he believes his audience can answer those questions or think about it after the fact and piece things together and isn't having to be spoon uh, spoon fed yeah. and i felt that throughout this film i uh, it was really funny at moments mm-hmm. it's surprisingly especially like with how mysterious and dark some of the subject matter in it yeah. is but then, like, yeah, it gets kind of silly and goofy in a really delightful way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's great. It sent me watching quite a few other of his films. Yeah. And um, it's it's interesting because I've noticed <clears throat> that he has no interest in answering or providing any information unless the characters would encounter it or need it. Right, right. That's, that's his story. His yeah. story is through the experience of the characters. Yeah. And it had never clicked with me before, you know, because I just thought of it in terms of world building. Mm-hmm. And it is. But it's it's also, it's you only get the the information that's gleaned through, uh, you know, whether it's Princess Mononoke mm-hmm. or or My Neighbor Totoro or, or anything like that. Right. You only understand as much as the characters come to understand or need to know. Right. And it, it's just there's, there's such a, a freedom in that and such a, a whimsy. Yeah, uh, which which isn't something I usually associate as a good thing, but it just it's it's so effortless. I just uh, I could I could well that's just put also, his movies on in the background and watch all day. Oh yeah, I and mean, that's just like a strength like shows the strength of his world building too. Yeah. That like that like the atmosphere of it and like everything in the background is playing a part in that to to, yeah. to answer the questions that you might not know that need to be answered but it's also like it's making it all richer and more interesting it's it's amazing Uh, my number four is a movie i doubt is anywhere up your list Mm -hmm. because i'm pretty sure uh you and i kind of departed not that you didn't like it but yeah I, i definitely enjoyed this much more and that's barbie uh, and I just, I had a stupid blast with this movie. I've watched it, I think, three or four other times okay. with people who are watching it the first time. And we just laugh and cackle mm-hmm. and have a grand old time. Uh, I, I think it's much smarter than I was expecting it to be. Uh, I still agree with you uh, that it's too on the nose at times Yeah. Um, in, in its intelligence mm-hmm. uh and probably could have used you know if it's at a 10 it could have been dialed down to an eight right on on the uh the feminism meter not because what it's saying is wrong but just because it says it so loud and bluntly 
that it it feels a little less nuanced than I think it actually yeah. is intended to be. I think um, for the audience that they were probably knowing was going to come yeah. to see this. A wide it, audience. Wide yeah. audience. It was warranted. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like people, like, not the saying we're smarter than other people. It's just people who watch a lot more movies. Yeah. And that kind of thing is, you know, a little bit more baked into it. <laughs> That, um, you know, you're kind of expecting it to not be completely just given to you, which I I think, you know, after the fact and hearing other people talk about it and the actors and everyone in interviews, it's like, yeah, I I, I totally understand why that was done and I don't fault them for that. No, and and it's something, too, where just in the last three, four, five (laughs) years, not that there wasn't movies before that that concerned themselves with gender roles and and sexuality and all of these things, uh, but typically not in a mass market, bring your kids and the whole family. Based on a giant doll. Based on a toy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I still, every time I watch this, I think I get more impressed that Mattel allowed this thing to be made. Yeah. Because it's it's so anti-everything a corporation would want. Uh, it, it just... I mean, it makes fun of everything about yeah. the corporation, the toy brand, the toy company, and all of this. And somehow still ends it where you're just like, man, I never thought about how important Barbies were in the world. Uh, and it just, I, I don't know. It's, I have a really good time with it. This is definitely like, uh, my wife is not one who has to go to the movies anymore, but yeah. she loved this movie. And so that's a blast just having a movie that that Rachel loves. And um, I just, I don't know, it's a good time. Real good time. I need to rewatch it, and I, I and I meant to because I wanted to see if it actually would get on my list because yeah. it's in my honorable mentions. Yeah. But it was just like I remember when I saw it, I enjoyed it quite a bit, yeah. but it just like didn't stick with me as much as I thought it was going to. So I just couldn't like just out of that um, reason, and so yeah, I need to rewatch it and see if yeah. like the, the the things I had a problem with it bother me anymore or if i can just you know enjoy it on its own merits i think there's a lot more kind of weaved into it that that i caught yeah uh on second viewing but at the same time everyone is so cartoonish there's yeah. not a lot other than it, you definitely catch more in margot robbie and ryan mm-hmm. gosling's performances yeah uh where they're doing probably three more levels of comedy than uh than it first seems mm-hmm. um especially Ryan Gosling. Uh, but everything else is so cartoony. It's it's pretty one note. It's meant to be. Yeah. But it's it's not like one of those movies where you go back like an asteroid city, I'm sure. Right. And you you discover all of these, you know, hidden gems yeah, and little yeah. things in, in every corner. And uh it's just if if they put it into the production, they wanted you to see it the first yeah. time. I think more as what I'm thinking about is just like, you know, the the blatant like messaging that's yeah. throughout it. Like because it, the first time you're just like taken aback about yeah. like what direction it's going, yeah. um, not disagreeing with it. It's just like oh man, this is I was this is a big fun Barbie movie, but it's got oh a lot of you know what they're what they're trying to say yep. is important. Um, so I think the second time if I watch it, I, yeah. I like maybe won't be as you know yeah. uh, thrown off by that. Yeah. And and John Cena is a mermaid. So <laughs> now we come to the top three. 
Uh, here we go. Uh, are there any honorable mentions you want to talk about? Maybe or, we should just go through, through those after the fact. Okay. I'm yeah, good with that. Cause there's, there's a handful in there that are like, the surprise. yeah, well, in a handful right. that I think that maybe we can talk about a little bit. All right. So here we go. Clint at number three, what you got? So this is, um, we have not talked about this film at all. This no. is a one that I had been meaning to watch. It had been out like all year and I heard, kept hearing great things about it, but it was just the subject matter of it was always one of those where like, oh, I'll watch that sometime, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like drawing me to like need to see it that moment. Mm-hmm. And the new troll movie, the what? The new troll movie. <laughs> you know, no, I'm a big no. troll head. I, I got to go to the theater and see those. I'm at the, I know, I know. I bought my tickets once ahead. <laughs> um, but like I wish I watched this months ago because this would have been okay. This this one that's stuck with me, and I've watched this one a couple times. I showed Jenny it, and this is Past Lives mm-hmm. from uh, Celine's song, mm-hmm. um, stars Greta Lee, and I. This is another one. It's one of my favorite scores of the year um, by the the two. Um, I can't remember the names of the artists off the top of my head, but they were in the band Grizzly Bear. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. Have you seen this movie? I have not. And and I completely forgot when I was kind of going through and trying to grab yeah. different movies that I needed to watch. I completely forgot this movie existed because it was on my list to watch. This, you got to watch this film. Okay. Like this, this, I've been thinking about it. It's stuck with me. It's like one of those, such a simple, like distilled down story, mm-hmm. love story but just done so naturalistically that you believe every single aspect of it mm-hmm. and you don't question any of it. They somehow make a five-minute um, Skype scene. Like, I usually hate scenes where mm-hmm. they're over the computer. They make a Skype scene the most romantic thing you've ever seen <laughs> in a film. Okay. Like most heartwarming, like the rekindling of this friendship and love. Like you believe it. And it's like you don't, it's amazing. Hmm. I don't know how they did that. Okay. And there's just this movie, like if you don't cry in this film, I don't understand why, why what's wrong with you. Just not human. Yeah. Um, but it's so well acted. Um, the cinematography is beautiful. It's so, like I said, so simple. It's just subtle and simple and, um, not in a, like a memorial way where mm-hmm. it's just like a lot of space. It's just the simplicity of what the story is. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Um, I, I love this film. It's, it's great. All right. Uh, my number three is one you've already talked about. It is David Fincher's The Killer. Oh. Uh, I have gone back to this now two and three times. Yeah. And uh, my problems with the first 20 minutes that I expressed on my first watch, uh-huh. not only gone, uh, but actually enhanced my love of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one, uh, after, after 99, there were quite a few years where I kept going back and watching Fight Club. Yeah. And I think The Killer is now the David Fincher film that that I'll find myself kind of revisiting mm-hmm. in that that kind of vein. Yeah. Um, and it, there's just there's something about the style, mm-hmm. uh, the rhythm of it that that really clicks with me. Uh, it definitely I noticed. Uh, I think the third time I was like, oh my goodness, uh, this is very much music video director. 
David Fincher oh, having yeah. arrived, you know, as as a cinematic director. Mm. But you can see those elements, especially in that fight scene mm-hmm. uh, with the um, oh, what do they call him? The Beast or the uh, whatever the giant guy yeah, is. Yeah, um, you can you can just feel everything in that scene um, uh, just hits and and lands, and uh, it just. It's it's such a a varied experience mm-hmm. uh, from chapter to chapter, and it it still works together, and it it really gives you this kind of uh, almost a, a a quaint little day in the life kind of feel. Uh, as much as it's a oh this is one of the first times this guy has messed up and it's so dramatic and all these things, uh, he he really approaches it as just another just another day, just another problem, just another job, and. Um, I, I kept waiting uh, for this movie to do things it refused to do. And mm. not only did it not do those things, it did far more interesting things. Yeah. And uh, I just, I I continue to enjoy this movie a little bit more every time I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I've watched this one twice. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I, I love that film. Yeah. It's so great. Yep. Um, do you want me to move on to number two? I am ready for number two. Number two on Clint's list. Mm-mm. And... If you had not exhausted yourself into a stupor, mm-hmm. you may have oh, been in the same place man. as I am. Because Poor Things by Yorgos <sighs> Lanthimos with I Emma Stone is my number two. And it could I easily it. be my number one. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This movie, in what you were saying about Bo is Afraid, yeah. you're saying you think it's the most like inventive and yeah. good. This movie is right there with it. Okay. It's some of the most interesting um, storytelling I've seen in a minute. Emma Stone deserves all the awards because she completely created a person. And this is coming from a man who does not believe in awards uh, no. and hates award season. No, it's just wow. like everything that yeah. she put into this and her talk. Like I've watched numerous interviews with her and what she had, to, what she put into yeah. creating this with Yorgos is amazing. And you completely believe it. This movie is beautiful to look at for one. This is my third favorite score of the year. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre and totally fitting, but it's beautiful to look at. It's so funny in like the most strange and delightful way. Um, Mark Ruffalo as this caddish like gentleman is like Emma Stone is fantastic, but Mark Ruffalo, I, he was a, such a delight. Like it's my favorite role I've ever seen him <laughs> in. Like you hate, like you, this guy is awful and you should hate him, but you just like want him to be in it more and more. He's so funny. Um, William Defoe is great in it. It's just like everything I would like, I wish like somehow every movie was like this and yeah. would, um, I, it's, I'm, I don't know. I want to rank it in his, in Yorgos. Like he's just consistently becoming like better and better. And, uh, one of my favorite directors, it's so good. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I was by myself laughing in a theater by myself it never happens because and like when a movie gets people to leave you know it's a good movie you had people walk out people walked out there's old like this, oh, wow. there was like it was you could t- tell it was like <laughs> midweek between holidays yeah um 
and you see like the families come in together and you just see them like shuffle out at certain <laughs> I'm like I'm like yeah if you're going to leave that's a good scene to leave during because it's not going to get any better um but it this isn't pulling any punches it's like full like oh man I I just I don't want to give anything away for your your okay. viewing but man so good it's been a long time since I've been sitting in a movie that people have walked out of. Oh, me too. That's, and I was like, that and, always and takes something It was special. all the stuff like I'm cackling at by myself <laughs> in the back of the theater. You yep. um, And I, I, yeah, I can't even express how much I love. I can't wait to watch this movie more. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, my number two is one you have also already talked about. It is one of my new favorite Christmas movies. It is one of my new favorite 70s-style vintage uh-huh. flicks, and it fits right in with, uh, if if it is such a genre, uh, just the idea of the prep school comedy, oh, dramedy, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and that's The Holdovers. I, uh, I went to see this movie on your recommendation alone, and my goodness, this thing is just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I loved every minute of it. Uh, the performances, the humor... Uh, kind of, kind of the 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 darker, uh, you know, moments uh, just really surprise you. Come out of kind of nowhere at mm-hmm. times, uh, but at the same time, just function really well within the story. This is this is um, it's been a while since I've seen a comedy like this, uh, and I keep saying comedy, but that's not it. It, it doesn't quite capture it, but. Uh, it's it's been a long time since I've seen a comedy where I so believed in the characters, yeah, yeah, as real people, even though they're they're oftentimes characters mm-hmm. of of different things, uh, whether it's a headmaster or a professor or whatever else. Um, but I just I I laughed my way through this. It made me feel. Uh, this is this is the kind of thing. It's it's. It's almost doing it a disservice to call it a Christmas movie, even though it 100% is. Uh, yeah. Because it, it makes you kind of think of those Hallmarky uh, sort of, of feelings or styles. And, and that is not this movie. Yeah. Uh, but it is, it is also not just a movie that's set at Christmas. Mm-hmm. This is very much a Christmas movie. This is very much a, you know, the, the spirit of mankind and what things should be and what it isn't and... Uh, it it somehow manages to with with just a handful of characters really uh, kind of dig up a lot of uh, emotion and and different things and I just I I absolutely adored this movie so thank you for that Christmas present Clint you're welcome I am glad to have had that recommendation I'm glad you took my recommendation not many people do I believe in Clint Jones I really <laughs> you do. believe he's there when he's not. That's how much I believe <laughs> in Clint Jones. He goes to movies with me. Like, Jesus doesn't even go with me to this many movies. But you, you come to movies that you don't even attend. It's it's amazing. It's just... Mm. When you saw one set of feet print in the popcorn... <laughs> <laughs> I want you to know how much I have been trying... Since number four, <laughs> to look to my right in my my mental palace uh-huh. and Your not see palace? you there. Yeah, <laughs> to not see you there in the theater with uh-huh. me while Napoleon is on the screen. And so I conjure it up. I get my palace. I'm in that movie theater. Mm-hmm. Napoleon's on the screen. I look right. <laughs> You're still there. 
I cannot get rid of you. And and I'm even watching how you laugh. Uh-huh. And and how we're we're not saying it, but we we know yeah, yeah. that we're laughing and, and other people aren't because mm-hmm. they just wanted a historical epic. Right. And this thing is surprisingly funny. <laughs> Probably not as good as poor things. Don't No. They they are definitely not No. Uh, you know, what I would suspect is is even remotely similar. But I'm just gonna keep trying. Right through number one. So Clint. At number nine, none, number none, number nine, <laughs> number none, number one. What you watching about? Well, um, through s- subtraction of everything else, you probably could guess what mine is. Oh, I know. I've known. <laughs> I have known yeah. all since we watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have known. Yeah, what we are going to talk yeah. about at number one for you. Um, that is "Bo is Afraid" by Ari Aster, <laughs> and. I wonder how many lists this is going to end up a number one on this year. Um, I anybody who it might, they're my best friend <laughs> uh, because you get me. But man, this is this like the same things I was saying about poor things. Like I would put them; they're almost they're on the same wavelength as far as filmmaking. And have you watched, there's a really great, um, I don't know if it's LA Times or Hollywood Reporter, they do those sit-downs with, mm-hmm. they had Ari Aster it's and Hollywood Reporter, yeah. Dorgos sit down. And, and, oh, really? And it was like the best team up, like of them oh, just like, cool. how do you do that? Because like, they, they're they almost like, they're doing different things, but they're in that same bubble of oddity that they both work in. Um so it was just interesting seeing them like talk to hmm. each other, but it's the things that I loved about poor things is what I loved about like they just it was willing to do like just go for it, completely go for it. um, I love the structure of the of of bow and how it has these acts, and I just how progressively it just gets stranger and stranger till you almost feel like you have no foothold in the reality of this. But also then it, it somehow brings you back. And to me, like there's 100% like logic to it. And like mm-hmm. you can track the, the the progression of the characters and emotionally, even though like just, you know, you're kind of in this nether world of uh, like strangeness that you just, mm-hmm. you're not sure exactly what's happening, but it somehow makes sense. And I, I was just totally surprised by it. And like, I love a film that like we were saying, like kind of saying with um, Miyazaki is just like, isn't feeding you all the answers yeah. and you are left with things at the end to think about and um, stew on and just, it's just make your own decisions about. And this does that. Um, I, I can't wait i've been trying to get jenny to watch it with me like of any <laughs> ari aster film like i think she could enjoy this even though it is in his realm of just like stressing yeah. you out at certain points like i feel like it totally brings you back from that enough like with the comedy of it and that uh she could enjoy it but Bo is afraid is my number one if I see poor things again, that could be, but like, I almost put them at the same level because it's, it's just, it's 
on the same playing field with me. It's interesting because it's not just the way you describe poor things, but I read reviews or, uh, you know, just little blurbs for poor things, and it sounds like people are talking about Bo is Afraid. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I don't understand why Bo is Afraid was so sort of maligned and and it's so divided people. Yeah. But yet poor things has just got critics uniting and you know, in praise, and I, I haven't seen both, but it just strikes me as they they sound like you were saying, not similar, but similar. Yeah, in a way that I I, I don't understand why people didn't get Bo's afraid, but uh, seem to get poor things. I think I think poor things overall is a little easier. Gotcha. Um, just because there's a little bit more simplicity to the arc of the story and the gotcha. characters, so that does, cool. but. There is some weird stuff in that film that, like, I I don't understand why it's, like, 90-some percent and yeah. it's, it's up for a lot of awards, even though it's 100% warranted. Like, yeah. I think every aspect of it was done to the best it could be done. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I just, I would, I would so much rather see things like that get attention come awards time. Yeah. Because that's, for me, so much of what film is about is, is, and we've talked about that. We want different things, but yeah. give me something new. Give me something, even if it taps into something familiar, do it in a new way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something like Oppenheimer, uh, I, I didn't feel that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's beautifully shot and it's it's well put together and it's blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a good movie, but it it did not. I did not walk out of the theater buzzing. Yeah, uh, like I have uh, on on these other films. Yep. Yeah, and and I just that that experience is worth much more to me than uh, you know any anything technically that can be achieved. Yeah, uh, I would I would much rather feel than. Uh, uh, than be wowed with just uh, craft. Yeah, I, I feel like I need to like to to you know make this list. It's just like it had to have stuck with me for yeah. some reason or the other. Like yeah. that I'm continuously you know is coming back or there's something else reminds me of that thing. Yeah, and it starts playing again in my head. And like like you're saying, like there's a bunch of films that I. Um, you know, kind of saw like that have popped up, and mm-hmm. they're remarkably, remarkably well made. Yeah. And I think in maybe if I was in different headspace or something, they would be on my list. Yeah. And I like I recognize all the qualities of it, but it just didn't stick with me like some of these. Yeah. Well, my number one film, uh, any other year uh, or any other film, I think might have been. Like just a, a contender at number ten, uh-huh. and I may have trouble uh, explaining why it has stuck at number one uh, through all these other releases coming out. Indiana Jones, uh, Indiana Jones, the Dial, Dial of Destiny. Destiny. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> not even on my honorable mentions. Uh, it um, it's it's lean, it's mean. It is a it is an uh, it's a it's a craft film. It is a, a performance film. Uh, it's one that almost uh, kind of harkens back to the age of everything from Psycho to Halloween to to uh, you know on up. And it's uh, it's on Hulu. It's No One Will Save You. And I cannot believe the staying power 
this little alien invasion movie had with me. Um, but it comes down to performance. It comes down to a script that, that literally has one line of dialogue the entire time. I cannot get over how, uh, how it, it seems like it's so easily, uh, makes every narrative and logical reason as to why it's it's essentially a silent film. Uh-huh. Uh, it it goes to such efforts to craft a, a character and a story and an environment that is is the opposite of anything you would expect in something as classic as an alien invasion flick, and so it becomes something different. And it it just it resonated with me differently. Mm-hmm. And it's is it a better movie than Holdovers or The Killer or Bo is Afraid or uh, you know any of the Boy in the Heron? Probably not. But as an experience, it just it really stuck with me. And I've gone back to it several times, and I just kind of sit and watch it and marvel at the 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 making of it and and how much thought had to go into. Uh, making something that should not work successful or something that should not elevate, actually elevate. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot of praise. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's getting a lot of praise at the level I'm trying to give it, uh-huh. but uh, cause it, it is, it's a genre flick. It's just, it's uh, you know, it, it doesn't in, in subtle ways, it's trying to be more than that, but um, I just, I, I really enjoyed it. And continue to enjoy it. And I am real bummed that it's not on 4K. So I can just own a copy. So that when Hulu decides it doesn't want me to see it anymore, <laughs> I still have it. Uh, but yeah, so surprised. Um, but just for some reason, that thing could not get clawed out of the top spot for me. That was an interesting choice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I aim to interest. <laughs> <laughs> That's my goal in life. Am I interesting in that way that you raise an eyebrow and <laughs> look say, out. interesting? That was an interesting choice, Ken. That's all right. Um, all right. That was on my honorable yeah, mentions. Yeah. Yeah. I I knew that I knew that was not going to be in your top ten, and I knew the whole time I was looking at it. And I, again, I'm looking at these movies under it, and I'm I can tell you exactly why uh, most of the movies under it are better films. Uh-huh. But just as a and and it wasn't even in the theater, it, just as a popcorny mm-hmm. uh, movie experience, as a visceral, just sort of uh, you know, get in there and grab my sternum and shake my heart around. Mm-hmm. That's the one I did. I enjoyed that movie quite no a bit. No one will save you. Yeah. yeah, it was a good one. Yeah, it is. It is. So uh, why don't we go uh, ten up through one? Why don't you rattle off your ten? I'll rattle off my 10, and then we'll talk about uh, any that we might have missed. Okay. Um, number 10 was Smoking Causes Coughing. Nine was Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Eight was Asteroid City. Seven was The Creator. Uh, six was The Holdovers. Five, The Killer. Four, The Boy and the Heron. Three, Past Lives. Two, Poor Things. And one, bow is Afraid. I like it. Um, mine at number 10, Godzilla minus one. Number nine, Artifice Girl. Number eight, The Boy and the Heron. Number seven, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Number six, Bo is Afraid. Number five, Napoleon, a film that we both agree deserves to be on the top <laughs> 10 list. Uh, number four, The Killer, or excuse me, Barbie. Number three, The Killer. 
number two, holdovers, and number one, no one will save you. So what are you? some of your uh, honorable mentions that we might not have mentioned? Um, one that I almost considered putting in my 10 spot, I was like, was this movie I talked about on here called Moon Garden. Mm, um, yep. Have you ever got around to watching that? Nope, not yet. That one is like, I was just so, so surprised by the creativity in that film and like it, like this level of mad god world building. Do you remember I talked about mm-hmm. this? Yep. Um, I think the thing that if it had a little bit stronger acting, it would have like, besides the little girl, is the little girl is so convincingly like a little girl is she's fantastic. Like you never believe like she's, um, not believing the situation she's in. Um, I think the parents were a little bit like it could have been a little bit better, but they, they, it was, it was not distracting really. It was just like, you can see the, uh, low budget indie filmmaking and when it gets to that aspect of it, but man, the, the world building and level, like I said, level of creativity that's put into that film. I, I, I need to go back and watch it again because when I saw the first time it, it, it it could have ended possibly ended up on my top ten. I don't know, but I, I don't see anybody talking about that film. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, another one that I watched just recently because it just came up on Netflix, and this is Maestro by Bradley Cooper. Have mm-hmm. you watched this? I have not. Um, I was, I w- I would make the argument that it's almost the same movie as Oppenheimer. Um. And, all, and it's kind of the better film. Okay. Because it's also about a genius at his peak, about his relationship with his wife um, and how he's unfaithful. It's at a, like, the climax of his career. And it's like this big moment that he has to come through in. And it's strangely, there's a lot of parallels to it. But this one, I feel like the character um, building and like the relationship between the husband and wife is so much stronger in this film and so much leaner. Mm-hmm. Like they, like usually in like I feel like they always you say you're you're doing a film about this well known figure um, in history and art and culture. And or like you know, like a painter or something, mm-hmm. like somebody well known. They and they always try to you know give the wife or like significant other some bit of screen time, mm-hmm. but it never feels like enough, and you never yeah. get a yeah. full picture of that relationship. This does that mm-hmm. so well of like painting um, the the relationship in a three-dimensional way and they give equal like like weight to all to the that relationship on either side i was so surprised by that i think bradley cooper was really good in it but clint hollywood is mad at bradley cooper <laughs> because he wore for a wearing fitness. a prosthetic nose and that makes him racist and anti-semitic <laughs> because he is commenting on jewish stereotypes in a negative manner hmm Hmm. Okay. You're saying that's an overblown controversy that doesn't matter in an age that has three films called The Hobbit where <laughs> dwarves who love gold 
and can't get enough jewels and gold, wear giant noses and yeah, you know, okay, cool, cool, cool. Isn't it or possibly cool, a little bit easier cool, cool, cool. that he has spent like so many years creating this, like he's written it, he's directing yep. it, he is completely committed, he's spent hours and like so much time with the family and he's just trying to paint a full yep. picture of this and person. trying to disappear into the role. Yes. Yeah, and 100%. I feel like he does do that gotcha. really well. Um, I haven't seen the movie. I just, I think that controversy has been so ridiculous and it is all uh, I have read about. It's the only thing I know about that movie. It's, it's crazy. Until you talk about it, it. It never feels like a caricature of no. a Jewish stereotype in any way. Bradley Cooper does not seem like the type. No. That, uh, there's a sequence in this that is one of the most in, like breathtaking hmm. moments of cinematography where he's conducting this giant orchestra in the actual church where like this cathedral where Leonard mm. Bernstein did it. And another great, like they did a really great job um, of capturing the like film language and like cinematography, kind of like we were saying with um, the holdovers. Um, also another parallel to Oppenheimer. I know I'm talking about this film a lot. No, you're good. You're good. They do, you know, Oppenheimer, like Oppenheimer has broken, oh, this part's black and white, this part's, mm -hmm. they do this and this, that and this, but it makes total sense why they're doing it because they're capturing different points in his like career and like stylistically how he's working at that point. Um, like when he's working on stuff for like, um, oh, uh, West Side Story mm -hmm. and then he's working more in like opera and stuff. It, it, it it makes sense. Um, I just assume every time the screen goes black and white, it's from Robert Downey Jr.'s perspective. <laughs> just yeah. no matter the movie. Yeah, and it's like your mind shuts <laughs> off because you don't really care about this part of yeah, the story. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know he's just setting someone up anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. So, who cares? so this is one I want to go back for. Okay. I, I think it will What's be What's it on? Where can I find it? It's on it? Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah. Netflix? Look at Netflix pulling it out at the Yeah, the killer. End of the too. year. They got a couple yeah. of good ones. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I was, I don't know. I, it was, that one was almost my 10 spot. Okay. Um, I'm going to kind of go rattle a little bit more through these. Right. Saltburn, which I think we could talk about. I haven't seen it yet. Um, really interesting. Also was almost my 10 spot. Mm -hmm. um, pretty disgusting and disturbing at points. That's but, what I heard. That's what I heard. <laughs> but kind of, I don't know. Wasn't I, in a hurry to see it. Uh, I will, but. You know, I think you'll be okay. Wasn't, I'll be okay. Yeah. Are there dolls? <laughs> <laughs> There's. I don't, I'm not going to give it away. You promised me the last time after whatever that horrid movie was you tricked me into watching with the weird puppet baby that you would warn me if there are dolls. I, <laughs> I'm not feeling confident after that. There's no dolls. Okay, thank you. Uh, Skinamarink. Mm. Uh, uh -huh. Dungeons and Dragons. I'm surprised that. Really? One. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Okay. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I I put Oppenheimer and Barbie on here just because more I was just trying to think of films. <laughs> <laughs> Flush out my list, you know, like thinking of films. That, <laughs> think of films that I, I put some films on my honorable mentions because you know I was just trying to think of movies. No things that I yeah. were you know contenders. That's sure, what I meant sure. to say. I got you. Um, another great one. This is not any in particular order. Okay. Um, other than the ones I said that were possibly 10. Anatomy of a Fall. Mm. Did you see that yet? I have not, but I really want to. It was really good. Um, 
Another Netflix one that I think I texted you about, Leave the World Behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really enjoyable. A lot better than I was expecting it to watch that as well. I think you'll like it. Uh, they cloned Tyrone. Mm. That's all my honorable mentions. There's yeah. one I've watched. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, No One Will Save You, Ninja Turtles, Godzilla Minus One, uh, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, uh, Godland, and Showing Up. I still need to watch Godland. You recommended that to me forever ago. Yeah. I'm and, I'm curious uh, if you'll like it. I suspect I will. I'm actually really liking uh, movies that What's-His-Face pops up in from Harry Potter. Um lost his name, but he's Dudley. He <laughs> lost a lot of weight. Now he's weird and scraggly and perfect in movies about Edgar Allan Poe and investigating oh, yeah, murders. Yeah, yeah. And he's not in Godland, though. Oh, I thought that was him. No. Who's the guy in Godland? Uh, just some Michael Nordic, Fassbender? Nordic man. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was like when Sorry Art I... of Self-Defense I went into <laughs> swearing that Michael Fassbender was in this movie. and Sorry just... if I talk too much about this. Oh, no, you're fine. Uh, mine are Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar, uh, Dead Reckoning Part 1, Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, total cheat, but putting it in because I will argue all day long it's an eight-hour long movie, uh, The Last of Us Season 1, uh, Air, which was uh, the Ben Affleck, Matt Damon uh, sneaker movie. Nike sneaker movie <laughs> has no business being anywhere near my collection or my uh, list of movies, but I love this movie. Uh, it's just, it's really good and really fun. And I just, it's, it's about more than sneakers hmm. and basketball, Clint. It's about ambition and friendship. And I don't know. Anyway, they climbed, they, they climbed. They climbed Tyrone. That's a different movie. They cloned Tyrone. <laughs> they climbed him. It's, it's Godzilla it's, minus yeah, one. Yeah. They yeah. climbed Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, Super Mario Brothers, which, man, I had so much fun. Did you ever end up no. seeing that? Oh, I honestly, it's fun. I'm too uh, busy watching Godland with what's his name from Harry Potter. I know. Uh, smoking causes coughing. And finally, the blackening. Uh, did you ever get around to watching no. the blackening? Oh, Clint. Blackening. You is, keep telling me. It's I feel like I'm overblowing it, but then everybody else that I send to it come away thanking me and laughing. Yeah. So uh now to it. Uh, you know, it should be noted all white people, actually, now that I think about it, but um I don't know. It's funny. It's good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Do I talk too much about Maestro? No. Okay. That made me want to watch it. I I really it just, it wasn't really one I was that interested in. I wasn't um, either, but like, I was surprised how well made it was. Yeah. And they do some old um, man makeup on him when he's uh, in later. That is yeah. so good yeah. that I was like, man, that's some of the best prosthetics I've seen. For about 65% of Oppenheimer, from beginning to about, you know, two thirds, yeah. somewhere in there through the movie, uh, that movie would have really climbed my list yeah but just really let me down the last third uh for anybody that's wondering why we aren't showing love to, to oppenheimer i just it failed me in the as, as soon as as soon as the bomb went off and then he had that there was that great scene where he's having the speech and things are shuddering around him yeah uh when when he's possibly losing touch with kind of his his groundedness and i just from that point on didn't do anything else that was in any way uh, more or the same as what had come before it. So, oh well. 
I'm curious so, to uh, think, see if you think that I'm right about the maestro. Thing. Oh, uh, yeah. Now because I'm really interested to watch it. I, I don't know. It, uh, yeah. it was my better Oppenheimer, yeah. even though not about you know building the nuclear bomb. I'm a sucker for movie about movies about composers. And yeah. I, I love watching a movie where they're writing music in there. I just, I love those kind of scenes. Mm. So that sounds fun. Um, so yeah, that's our top 10 for 2023. And uh, next episode, we will talk about our top 10 discoveries. And then we'll get back to uh, covering whatever we feel like. Probably some movies on this list. Probably. These lists. There's yeah, a bunch of stuff. And maybe some other yeah. things. Yeah. I'm looking forward There's to a, it. Yeah. So uh, thank you for ushering in the new year, Clint. Uh, please uh, maybe give me a week three without a hospital visit. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Thanks for going to see Napoleon with me. No problem. I, I We had a good time yeah. and uh, I held hands it. in the popcorn and mm-hmm. just laughed. And man, three hours at the movies. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, this has been Cinebabble episode 97. I think so. I think that's what we said at the beginning. 97, almost to 100. Insert number here. Insert number here. (laughs) 97, 98, 99, 98, 97. I don't know. Anyway, uh, thanks as always for listening. Uh, We will uh, be back next time, and uh, we'll see what other things we can recommend your way. Yes. See you, Clint. Bye, Ken. Bye.